And I had this like revelation of I was putting all my eggs to one basket in the sense that like I was not financially stable. And I think as just I'm getting older, priorities shift, you know, and I still audition every week, uh, multiple times, but I wanted to live kind of like in a stable manner because that was what was really important to me to have like a lifestyle that I enjoyed. Um, and, you know, while that may encompass a lot of, you know, auditioning, rejections, you know, the hustle, you know, burnout, I wanted to feel like, okay, like I'm at a point where I'm not living paycheck to paycheck, like getting rid of that starving artist mentality. Hey, welcome to Theater Life Uncensored, where we peel back the curtain and reveal to you what's really working in today's theater industry for artists just like you. That means you get to hear and learn how to surpass your career goals sooner and enjoy an easier, more peaceful life along the way. I'm your host, Jim Cooney, a New York City-based director-choreographer, and I'm also the founder of Amplified Artists, a membership community for theater professionals, from performers to producers and everyone in between, helping you create a career and life you love. I'm really excited to share this interview with you today with Vivica Chow. Now, Vivica is an accomplished performer. You may have seen her on Broadway or Netflix, but that is not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is how she gets paid for her social media and how you can too, even with a tiny following. And you'll hear how her adding in this additional revenue stream affected her life in major ways. Now, if you're someone who hates social media, I will tell you right now, Vivica also quit social media for a while. She even deleted her accounts. But fast forward to a few years later, and now she's an influencer with a massive following. So how did she go from deleting her accounts to now loving social media? Well, that's what this interview is all about. Plus, she's going to give you tips on what you can do and how you can get paid for it no matter what size following you have. I mean, if you're going to be on social media anyway, you might as well get paid for it, right? Plus, this is an easy way to earn cash because it's something you can do from anywhere and on your own schedule, which means it's a great side gig for theater artists. Before we dive into that, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player so you're the very first to know when the next episode is released. And since this is a new podcast, I'd love your help getting the word out to as many people as possible. Two great ways you can help me do that is by giving the podcast a five-star rating and leaving a positive review. It really helps the podcast services know which podcast to highlight. So again, I'd be really grateful for your help with that. I thank you in advance. Now, one of the biggest topics I get asked about is branding. How do I know my brand? How do I create my brand? How do I make my brand stand out so people want to hire me? So to help you all with this, I've put together a free guide and worksheet walking you through a three-part formula that clarifies your brand. You can grab it for free at jimcooney.me forward slash branding jimcooney.me forward slash branding, and I'll include that link in the show notes. By the way, if you want to connect outside of this episode, you can follow me on Instagram at jimcooneynyc. Pop over there and say hello. So now let's get on to this interview with Vivica Chow about getting paid for your social media. Oh, I should also mention Vivica is originally from Hong Kong, and we talk about artist visas in this episode. So if you're someone who's living overseas and wanting to work in the U.S., you're going to get some great info. All right, on to the interview. Hello, Vivica. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. You like, it's been awesome watching you because I've known you for, what was like 2015 is when I met you. It's like yeah. watching you as a student at Point Park when I was uh, teaching there and um, helping with your, like your uh, senior showcase, the industry showcase, and then working with you on your visa to get, you know, here working in America and then watching you on Broadway and now what you're doing through social media. It's like this like awesome trajectory to see you. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that. And I'm proud of you and so happy for you and like all the good things um, you've deserved it. So thanks for thank being you, here. Thank you, Jen. About it. Yeah, thank you're welcome. You. And you're part of my journey. You know, you're like a huge part. So thank you. Oh, well, thanks. Um, for people who don't know you, I like to just start with like, how would you describe yourself uh, when you're meeting someone new, like as an artist and who you are today? Yeah. Well, hello. My name is Vivica Chow. I am originally from Hong Kong, born and raised. And I came to the States when I was 18 uh, to study musical theater. You know, I had big dreams of being on Broadway. And that kind of like was accomplished in a really unexpected manner almost. Um, and I got to experience that, you know, right out of college, which was such a blessing. And now I am a full-time actor, but also a full-time content creator slash influencer. That's awesome. What, like, what 
made you decide to start doing the social media influencing like in conjunction with your performing? I've always really loved social media because I think it's such a good tool to express myself. First of all, that was kind of why I started Instagram in the first place was it was like my visual diary. I love aesthetics. Um, Aesthetics really made me happy. Uh, It's kind of like my source of joy almost, you know, like being able to curate something. And social media to me is also I get to be a photographer for myself. I get to model in front of the camera. I get to edit and I get to connect. So those are kind of like my four pillars of why I love social media. Mm-hmm. And so Instagram was always a thing. And then, but I never thought about monetizing it. I guess that was the difference. It was really for my mental health. Like I started a blog at some point, which I've kind of stopped now because it kind of got a little too much for me. But I started social media on Instagram. And then the pandemic came. And I think I was in a lot of the same boat as a lot of artists, got just kind of feeling lost. Um, and I had this like, revelation of I I was putting all my eggs to one basket in the sense that like I was not financially stable and I think as just I'm getting older priorities shift you know and I still audition every week uh multiple times but I wanted to live kind of like in a stable manner because that was what was really important to me to have like a lifestyle that I enjoyed. Um, And, you know, while that may encompass a lot of, you know, auditioning, rejections, you know, the hustle, you know, burnout, I wanted to feel like, okay, like, I'm at a point where I'm not living paycheck to paycheck, like getting rid of that starving artist mentality. So the pandemic happened, and I started TikTok, you know, like everyone. (laughs) And I didn't know I felt iffy. I actually started a TikTok like, at the beginning of the pandemic and I didn't know what I wanted to post. So I posted a lot of Broadway and my experience of being in the Saigon, the revival. And then quickly I was like, I'm not even on Broadway anymore. Like while I'm happy to share, like I am out of content because social media to me is like kind of like, it works if it's effortless. It works if it's part of your lifestyle and you know, you don't have to like reach for it, you know, regardless, like let's say if you're a huge coffee drinker, if you're going to make that amazing cup of latte every day, like you might as well film it, you know, so you're not kind of like going out of your way to do that because that leads to burnout. So anyway, so that was kind of like the Broadway thing for me. And I was like, I have nuggets of wisdom to share, but then that's not my lifestyle now. So like, I don't know what else to talk about. So I tried to like switch to my dog because I think my dog's the cutest thing in the world. That didn't work. I was like, well, I think he's cute. So (laughs) I kind of, I had 5,000 followers and I quit. I deleted my account. I completely deleted my account. I was like, whatever. Literally, maybe a year later, I started it again. I was like, why not? Who cares? Whatever. First video that went viral was like maybe a week after I rejoined. And it was of my hairstylist in Chinatown who charges $18 to $32 for a haircut. That went viral. And I had this like epiphany. I was like, I... I know what I want to do, you know, just like tying to my mission of wanting to empower and heal the world through my creativity. I was like, I want to empower these small businesses in New York City, especially in Chinatown that connects to like my roots because I'm always homesick. I haven't been home in like maybe almost four years now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being able to be that vessel for them um, because they don't have the budget for social media. They don't have the connections you know for Instagram or you know the skills you know and they're charging like five dollars a meal it's like it almost is so heartbreaking to me um to know that they work so freaking hard and you know their audience is limited to the neighborhood Mm -hmm. so that's what I wanted to do and that's how it started and now I you know I still do that um and that doesn't pay me anything but it makes my heart happy. And that has led to opportunities where I have become like a full-time content creator where I monetize my platform. Right. There's so many good things to go back to. So um, like you, you talked about your mission of, of empowering the world through your creativity and through your art. And that's something that we talk about in Amplified Artists of like your, all the ways that you are monetizing or making money or um, the gigs you're doing, whatever it is aligning those to like your your broader mission who you are as an artist or like as a creative human being like like you were saying because all that energy you're spending is going to keep funneling down the funneling you down that same lane and getting you closer and closer to like your creative fulfillment and you know making your heart happy and making your your wallet happy and all all those (laughs) those things 
versus like trying to do these like random gigs that like, oh, maybe I'll bartend here. Maybe I'll babysit here and do these things that are just quote unquote survival jobs that are really just taking your time away. Yes, you are getting paid, but that's literally the only thing you're getting out of that. Unless you're, you know, like there are examples of people babysitting for like Broadway celebrities and that's helping them get on Broadway. Like there's, there's examples where you can do those jobs in a way that you're purposely aligning them, like what we're talking about. But this is like, for me, especially if you're a performer going from, you know, performing on stage to social media, whether it's during the pandemic or not, like that to me is like such an easy, like dot to connect because you're really doing the same thing. Like you said, you're, you're creating content, you're deciding on the music, you're deciding what to wear, like what the story is you're going to tell. Like you, you are storytelling. Storytelling. Like, <laughs> like making your coffee in the morning, like you said. Um, I think for like people who are like myself, like directors or choreographers, for people or composers, like it's a, it's a harder jump to make because we're not used to performing. But for performers, it, to me, it seems like it's such an easy, adding social media in and, and monetizing it is such an easy, like extra thing. And it's also like you said, your, one of your pillars was to connect. And I think that's what people forget about that social media is not just putting content out there. It's connecting to an audience. And right now, what I hear so many people saying is like, because everything is digital, it's really hard for me to create these offline relationships and to connect. But I'm like, hello, that is what social media is. Like you are connecting. You can have conversation through that. Um, yes, it's digital, but like, it's not just about putting this wall up of perfect content. It's about really being yourself and show like you said like you're you're talking about these restaurants and these salons and it's not even about you but we're getting to see you because we're seeing the world through your lens and then that sparks these conversations so what would you say to someone who is afraid to i mean you already said some good things about like don't try to create the content just use what's already in your life i think that's cool. that's like such an awesome tip um but like people who are like really afraid to put themselves out there do you have any like words of wisdom or things that could help them there are so many different types of content. I mean, there's nonverbal, you know, you don't even have to talk. You don't even have to be on camera. You know, you can just have text. So find what like works for you and what you're comfortable with. Because at the end of the day, like it is such a magical world out there that like if you're the thing is like if you're consuming content anyway, like and you're kind of like interested in creating it really it really is such a awesome tool you know and I think like as performers as artists you know we're so creative anyway that like I personally prefer to spend my time being creative than you know babysitting that was my job before and um it didn't give me any value or fulfillment at all you know except the money and the thing is like because when you monetize your passions you know, you have to be kind of like strategic with it. You know, not everything has to be about money. So I think like for me, it's knowing what I'm like able and willing to do for completely free because like it makes my heart happy and also like what pays the bills, but also like ties into my mission. So um, just start, you know, like start with like different, play around with different types of content, you know, nonverbal, verbal. You don't even have to vlog. And I think like we all think about like, oh, you have to be in front of the camera to be able to like grow. That's not true at all. There's literally this creator I love. Her name is like Heart Defender or Defensive or something. And she just does unboxing videos because she loves shopping. That's it, you know? So it's like, what makes you happy? You know, what do you kind of like gravitate towards too? Or even like, what do people text you and ask you questions about? Mm. Because that is your value right there. And it's like, if you're willing to share, there will be people that latch on to that kind right. of content. Yeah. And I think there's also an audience for everyone and uh, an audience for everything too. And I think that's what people forget about. It's like, you're not the only person on the planet who's interested in this. You know what I mean? Like there's many other people. And I think that uh, again, going back to this, like aligning everything into one lane, people feel like, well, but it's not my performing. It's not my choreography, whatever it is. Like it's, it's these other interests. Like mine's travel. Like I love to post about traveling. That has nothing to do with being an artist. Right. But it, it's something that makes my heart happy. And it's made me connect to a bunch of other people that way. And uh, people bringing me over to their countries to choreograph or to teach or whatever it is, because they see that I, I'm someone who loves to go around the world. So like it does connect in, in these other ways you may not know, but even if it, even if it is a completely separate audience, the fact is like, if you're getting all this traffic on your social media, it's going to make your profile more popular across the board. So when casting directors are searching for you or other people are searching for you, and they also see that you have this giant following and they can look through your content and like learn about you as a person instead of just, I mean, I, I just was talking to a casting director this week about 
Like it's not helpful to him when he goes and all he sees is videos of you singing, like not you yourself, but like anyone, right? Mm -hmm. He he wants to see like who you are, like and like he's trying to find these like clips that like actually show show the person, not the performer. And I think that that's what people forget is like your your Instagram and whatever your TikTok shouldn't just be you performing. Like there's so much more to you as a human than that. Yeah, because we're human first, artist second. You know, like at the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, like you're not acting before you go to bed. <laughs> like you're right. just existing. You're being a human. So the selling point is right there. Like you know, you as yourself in the most like raw vulnerable state what are you willing to share what's like what makes you happy that in turn will make someone else happy you know yeah and i think too it's like we talk about this again in amplified artists where like the human first artist second thing but also it's so intertwined where who you are as an artist affects who you are as a human and who you are as a human affects who you are as an artist so like if you're just like shutting off or compartmentalizing a whole part of your life, you're just, you're, it's not going to make you very happy. You know what I mean? Like you have to right. experience your full life. Right. Um, what about, so, you know, I think people would look at an account like yours and be like, oh, she has, you know, thousands and thousands of followers, but there are micro influencers. There's nano influencers who are even smaller than micro influencers. Like literally it seems like any size audience these days, you can work with a brand. Maybe you're not going to be working with Nike if you only have 500 followers, right? But there are small brands that don't have budgets to pay what Nike pays. So they need people on smaller levels. So to me, it seems like whatever follower account you have, you if you want to start monetizing it, there would be ways to do that. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. So I have around, what, 61K on TikTok and 14K on Instagram, and I'm still considered a micro influencer. So like once you hit a hundred, I think that's when like people consider you as like a mid, mid tier, mid size, whatever. Um, because, but at the end of the day, it's like follower, yes, followers matter for brand deals, but it's really about your content. I just, I just, uh, did a Samsung campaign at the fall. I was like a 50 K. So like 10 K before now. Um, and the thing is like, I was chatting to the girl who was like scouting the influencers and she was like, I'm just looking for people who are fun and create like good quality content. Like the, the, the numbers like don't really matter that much if your quality, your, if your content quality is high, because a lot of the times, like, yes, you're posting onto your platform, but they're also like, bu like buying rights and usage rights for a certain number of months. They're maybe interested in exclusivity, you know, so it's like, how are they repurposing your content for their brand's influence? And that is like another world of its own. And that kind of branches into something called UGC content, which you don't even need followers to do. You just have to be good at like adapting a script, being natural in camera, talking to the camera um, about a product. Uh, and that's how I started like my content creation journey before TikTok is like I worked for an app, like, sorry, app platform called Billow. Um, and they, basically are like an agency that connects you to like really small businesses uh, that need these ad videos. Um, and it's like an affordable service. So you're not really getting paid that much. Um, but it kind of like, it's better than serving at a restaurant, in my opinion, it's better babysitting because you're still earning double the amount of like minimum wage. So and, you know, it takes half the time to do it. So that was really what attracted me in the first place. But then eventually as I started to grow, like it didn't serve me in like, um, just like timing and, you know, um, monetary, like the, the, it was like very stagnant in terms of pay. So I kind of like branched away from that for a while, but like, that is a really good place to start, especially if you kind of like dabbling into yeah. content creation, you know, just like hitting a brand up or even like creating the video first. Um, you know, like, I don't know, like, I love this blanket, um, create the video and then send it to the brand, post on social media, tag them being like, Hey, I created this video for you. You interested in like mm -hmm. buying rights to it? You know, there's so many ways to go around it. Like just, I guess like, don't be scared to be like creative. You know, there's no like one size fits all like formula, right. you know, everyone's journey is different. Even like acting, performing, you know, like how I, Get, how I get on Broadway is different to how someone else gets on Broadway, you know? So yeah, same thing applies yeah. here. Well, I think too, people are so used to being on camera now, and especially if you're a performer, you're doing all these self tapes. So whether you're doing a script or you're going to be selling the product, it's like you have the setup already. You probably have your camera, your lighting, the places you like to film, like you're already ready to go. And even for people who are performers, it's like, we're still on camera so much nowadays. So like, I think 
if you're in the performing world at all, even if you aren't a performer, you are used to this kind of like, you know, setup and, and interaction. And you're also, you know, if you are a director, you're in front leading a whole room of people. So you're not afraid to like stand up there and talk in front of people. Right. So right. doing the same thing on social media. Um, what, and I love that you also said too, that, you know, you can reach out to them and say, Hey, I love your blanket. I want to make a, a video about this. This is something like I, I beat my drum about this so much to people is like, they wait for opportunities to come to them instead of just creating an opportunity on their own. If they have an idea, it's like, go pursue it instead of like hoping that someone's going to come to you and ask you to do X, Y, Z. So that's really great that you're saying that here, because it, it, again, it's just like, doesn't matter if it's theater or not. If there's something you want to do, you can find out a way to do it. And like, it starts with an ask, like you said, just reach out to them. The worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say no. Literally, that's the worst thing that's going to happen. And then you're just going to go on with your day. You're no, you're no worse off before they said no than you were because like you weren't doing it before. They say no, you're not going to do it after. Like you're literally at the same level, right? But if they say yes, then it can only go up from there. So exactly, and it's like com basically commercial work, really, truly. Like that's how I think of it. You know, I we we get we we're so natural in front of the camera that we're not like this is the product, you right. know, like, I love it so much, you know, because sometimes they do provide scripts. And there are people who are like, oh, she's reading, like she's reading. <laughs> so it's important that we're able to bring our own like uniqueness and kind of energy to it too. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone did have a small audience of like just 500 or 1000 people, um, you know, they're just starting out with social media. Uh, besides ask, like, you know, what you said, like sending the content to them, are there any other things that they could do? Like, is there places they should go, resources to look at um, yeah. that would help them? Yeah, so, so much. So I would say just like platform wise, utilize Reels. If you're on Instagram, um, be on TikTok if you want to, you know, if you can, uh, because TikTok is a little bit draining and addictive. <laughs> and like, you know, you're like, oh, I've been on TikTok for five hours now. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, utilize reels because Instagram is pushing reels right now. Um, and you just honestly have to post a bunch and then kind of like analyze like what what gets the most views, what gets the most saves, shares, comments, likes, you know, kind of like figuring out like uh, what works for you. Because like I'm still figuring it out, out myself. Like I'm not very like good at reels, to be honest. But it's also like it's a learning process because everything is so new. It's thrown at you. Um, but the best resource, honestly, I think is a full-time influencer. It's like a podcast. Uh, it's created by Tina Lee. She is a very generous influencer that shares like these insane, like tidbits of information. I actually know her because I'm friends with her assistant, Lucy, who's also went from 2000 at the beginning of the year to 32 K. Wow. Just through reels. So this happens a lot, you know, and it's like everyone's blowing up because of Reels. So Reels is important. And uh, she also like does like this like Reels uh, rocket rocket ship, I think. And it's like a program where she teaches you like how to uh, create viral Reels. And it's like proven to kind of like been pretty consistent with her clients to work. So like things like that, you know, there's so many free resources out there right. um, that even like TikTok, so many social media managers on there, like just spewing out free information for you to consume. Um, so be on TikTok. I love Jules. It's I think her uh, handle is it's me, Jules or something. I love her content. She's also based in New York. Um, yeah, so those are the main things. Um, yeah, that I would say yeah. like resources and stuff and, you know, like finding your niche. But like, what is your niche? Like you're your niche. You know, like don't right. stress over that because I think that's kind of like a controversial yeah. like topic on social media, which is so funny. Everyone's like, no, you have to find your niche. Other people like no one cares. So just like lead with the fact like you are your niche. Like, what do you like? You can be multifaceted. Um, and it's kind of like the other day I was like looking at a post and someone was like, when you're like narrowing down your niche, like what are your interests? So if your interests are like shopping, luxury, uh, uh, I don't know, whatever, you can like niche down to like a specific, like, you know, like aesthetic living in New York City. You know what I mean? So it's like, it still ties in everything together, but you have like one broad stroke of yeah. what the niche well, is. Well, yeah. And it's like how we talk about your brand is you, like you don't, don't create the separate brand. Like you are, you are already the brand, like, like however you are in person, then your reputation and your energy, like that is your brand. That's how people are going to talk about you. So um, it's the same with this. And I, 
I think that like you could use niche in a way that would like constrict you in a bad way, or you, or you can use it as parameters in a good way. Right. So like, if you know, like, okay, I have these like three content pillars or these five content pillars, you can kind of rotate through them and like, okay, well, I've, I've done a lot of uh, coffee right now. So let me go do some more in travel. Let me go do some on blankets or unboxing or these other examples you're giving. So it's like, they're helpful guidelines for you versus like, well, I can only post about these three things. Cause that's what I decided my niche is and no one cares about anything else like that. That's when like, it gets kind of boring and stale because it's like just the same thing over and over and over again. So uh, I like that you said that. Um, and I think too, with like going back to like what you said with testing, I know for myself, it's like, you have to test like, okay, what time of day? And like, how long should the caption be? And like, how much text should be on this? Like, there's so many things that te like test other than just the content itself that it, it really does take a lot of time. And you know, sometimes you just can't figure out like, I'll post on the same day. It seems like the exact same kind of reel or not the same day, but like the same time it, during the week or whatever. And like one will get 7,000 views and then one will get 500 views. And you're like, mm -hmm. I, I literally don't, I have the same background, like the same amount of text. Like, and so like, sometimes it is random and the algorithm just picks things. And if someone happens to comment or something sooner than someone else comments on another one that can affect it. So I, I think like patience is something I would tell people is like, it's going to take a lot of content and a lot of time before you start to see trends in certain ways. Um, to help you like know like how to keep growing that even better. Totally. And I think like being kind of like self-aware about your own content and like kind of like uh, noting what other reels are similar to you, like why are they going viral, like kind of analyzing and breaking yeah. down, um, you know, what are they saying here? You know, for example, uh, I don't know, like I guess like restructuring their first three seconds to fit your three, first three seconds. So like the other day I was like, scrolling on TikTok and there was a super viral video and it was just like something that feels illegal for you to know or something. Mm -hmm. So like today I just made a video and I was like cute New York City uh, date idea that no one knows about, mm -hmm. you know, like little things like that kind of like, oh, like that, that is really captivating and I am still watching the video. So the first three seconds must have worked. Um, so kind of like taking notes as you go along of like other people's hooks and stuff because hooks mm -hmm. are very important. That would yeah. be my like main, like yeah. next big like tip. Yeah. Well, and I think the first word of social media is social and like, it's not just about posting content. It's also interacting. And if you are interacting with other people's content, that's going to inspire them to come back and interact with you. So it's, it's like, you have to be giving just as much as, as uh, receiving. And I think also like for people who don't like posting a lot, like I'm one of those people, like I'm good with like three to four times a week. And like, I just, I have so many other things I want to focus on. But I can be on social media every day, interacting with other people on the days that I'm not posting and still showing up on the platform in those ways and building relationships in those ways. And honestly, I feel like that goes a little bit further even than me having to post the content because that's when like the real conversations, it's much easier to start a conversation on someone else's post than it is to get people to like engage with you. And then you have to yes. on your post, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, switching gears, I want to go back to like you, you were talking about you know, getting to be on Broadway and we talked a little, little bit about the, your visa. Um, but I work with a lot of international people and this is something that comes up a lot of like, well, how do I, you know, work in New York city or on Broadway if I want to work on there. And if I get the O one one visa, then you're not supposed to be working on Broadway. You're not quote unquote allowed. But yet I, I have friends who are on the O one one visa who are on Broadway. So it does happen. It's just, you have to get, you know, sponsored by them and things of that nature. But I know you did an, uh, the EB1 visa, right? So I graduated and I was on the OPT. Uh, so okay. that's kind of like the the free year they give you. Like, thanks for thanks for paying your tuition in the United States. Great. Okay. So the OPT is amazing because it basically works like a work authorization and there are basically no stipulations or restrictions. I booked Miss Saigon during that year, which I was oh. really lucky. And the thing is like, it's not that you're not allowed to like be on Broadway, quote unquote. It's just more like equity is kind of like an right. hard ass on it. Like, excuse my language. Um, and it's just a lot of like miscommunication and misunderstanding with what the O1 visa actually is. Like a work visa is a work visa. You know, like it's not like something you can pick and choose. But this is unfortunately what happens. But I will say last year, Jessica Wu, who was my castmate in the Saigon, she changed things around and now you can work on Broadway on an 01. And oh, that's great. just, yeah. So that's um, something that has recently changed. Uh, oh, that's good to know. 
Yeah. So the O1B is basically a artist of extraordinary yeah. ability. And I'm sponsored through my agency. And I will say that being sponsored through like an agent or your agent is actually quite important because I'll get into this a little bit later. Uh, because I mean, not just like the approval rates, but like if they are your actual agent, this kind of like branches out into TV and film world because a lot of the times they like reject you if you're not like signed with an actual agent because they're like scared of, I don't know what they're scared of, but that's just like kind of a loophole that I've learned is like, you know, if you can get an agency to sponsor you, do that instead. And then that allows you to also work multiple different opportunities. You know, you're not tied to one thing as opposed to like, I mean, if like Broadway's willing to sponsor you, please, of course, do that, you know, but I would also kind of like bring up the idea of like, hey, I'm with this agency, like if we put you on the itinerary, we can also put so many other things on the itinerary, like it allows me to work different things as mm -hmm. well. So that's my first tip. Um, the only thing is like with the one visa, it's really hard to work network TV. So last year during the pandemic, I booked literally two big things on like the same day. Like I booked a Shonda Rhimes. I booked Inventing Anna. Oh. Um, <laughs> and then I also booked this like, oh my God, I, I forgot what it's called now. Alec Baldwin's in it. And, and basically they were co-star roles, right? But to me, it's like a stepping stone in my film and TV trajectory. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited. And then the next thing you know, like they were like, oh, she's on an 01. Like we're pulling the offer. And it like, oh. it's it, like, it's just like so heartbreaking, you know? So do yeah. be prepared for those things to happen. Um, but like my experience of working on Broadway is like going to be different now, now that that equity role has changed. But basically like really quick story is that I applied for the EB1 because they told me I would have to have a green card to work on Broadway. But by the time the show closed, like I still didn't receive my green card approval or denial. Oh, wow. So it's like I was working on this like work authorization. Again, like that's kind of like the easiest way to work. But um, it, it, it was unnecessary, you know, because I didn't need to file my green card, nor was I ready for it. So if anyone tells you that you need a green card to work, like don't listen to them. Um, <laughs> because the, the, the worst thing that can happen and it sucks is that you don't do the job. That's it. But with that being said, they're like, 200,000 other jobs waiting for you mm -hmm. to work. So it sucks in the moment, but just know that you're booking now. So why, you know, you're going to book later. So, um, yeah. So just like, don't listen to anyone if they're like, you have to get your green card because a green card is like around 15 K in lawyer fees, yeah. uh, and application fees. But, um, yeah, but now that the rules have changed, it's going to be different moving forward. But, mm -hmm. uh, just, yeah, I guess like, just be like aware of like what, people are telling you like don't believe yeah. everything you hear yeah yeah i think the again like going back to relationships i feel like this business is all about relationships this is another example because to get these visas you need to have people writing letters on your behalf and people agreeing yeah. to sponsor you and you need to yeah. have these relationships right and so like i, I wrote a letter for you because you were a student of mine so like we we develop these relationships with people and what I think people have the hardest time under, like, are trying to figure out is like, well, how do I develop these relationships with people, especially if I can't, you know, afford to go to a school in America like you did, or if I can't afford to go to a program like we have at Broadway Dance Center where we have the international program where people can get sponsored on the M1 visa and they can build relationships while they're here. And then, you know, those choreographers can write letters for them. Um, but I, I think that, well, I'll, Get your thoughts on that first, then I'll tell you my thoughts. <laughs> sure. What are my thoughts? Yeah. So like, how, like if you weren't coming to school here and you're an international student, you want to work here in America, and especially if you want to work on Broadway, like how would you develop those relationships? Like, are there any other ways that you could do that? Yeah. So uh, I would say, I mean, social media, like, and like going back to social media, right? Um, but the thing is, like, I think it kind of, like, personally, I think there's a fine line because for me, it's like, I am so grateful, like, that everyone is so, like, willing to help. But sometimes it feels, like, awkward or, like, maybe, like, imposter syndrome or something. Like, you just feel bad that you're asking for these favors. Like, you, you know what I mean? So I think, like, just, like, approaching it in, like, a, like, a mutually beneficial way, but also, like, actually fostering the relationship and not right. just, like, hey, this is what you can do for me. And then, like, right. that's it. You know, like, I still... Like, I still constantly check in with, like, everyone who's, like, wrote me a letter and, like, being like, hey, how are you? You know, and sometimes they don't reply because they're busy. But, like, 
at the end of the day, it's like, I care about, like, I want them to know that I care about them as a person. And I think that's like, when I first graduated, that was something I didn't really understand because I was like, I need to stay in this country. Like, how am I going to stay in this country? Everything was so like oriented around my visa. And it was like, oh, should I take this job? Oh yeah, it's going to be good for my visa. Should I, da, 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 da. you know, I was so scared to say no to everything because I was like, it's going to look good on my visa. Da, 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 da. And like, don't get me wrong. Like that's important. But like, if you're in your home country, there are so many other things you can also do to build that portfolio. And like, you can also ask the people from your own uh, home country to write you letters. It's not just people in the U.S. It's worldwide because, you know, like you're, you want to work in the U.S., but obviously it's understandable that you're not going to have the connections yet and you're not in the country. So do the best you can, like in your home country, like whatever that means, like experience. Uh, and if you're good at other things, like creative things, like do that too, because a lot of people are like performers and photographers, they can file simultaneously. And the thing is, like, if you have a strong photographer, like, portfolio, that's going to pull your application up, yeah. you know? So it's like, again, so many different ways to achieve the same end result. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so many things, like, every time you say something, I'm like, I need to be taking notes, because, like, there's so many <laughs> things I want to go back to. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, well, one thing I was going to say, too, is I think that there besides the social media stuff, there are now more and more ways for people to train without coming to America. And this is like one of the reasons why I wanted to start Amplified Artists too, is that you don't need to live in New York to have access to these people too. Um, you know, the guests that we bring in, even like people within like you're, you're a member, so people connecting with you and then you, you can write, you know, you have Broadway credits, you have Netflix credits, you're this influencer, you have all these things that like you would write a persuasive letter for someone. Um, so I think that's like, being creative, like you said, like in, in using these different ways to build the relationship, but it's, it has to be about them and not just about you and I, and you, you know, hit on that yourself because someone will, you know, they'll gladly out of their heart, like write you a letter, but it's like, they have to really believe in you and believe in like what you have to offer so they can write a letter that's going to be worthwhile. But also like if they're putting their name on it, they don't want to lie to the U S government of like, oh, this person's extraordinary. And like, oh, I really don't think that, but they asked me like, people aren't going to write those letters unless they really are um wanting you to succeed and like the way that you do that is by having a relationship with that person like that's how they they get invested in you and they want to see you grow and and i think like it's it's good that you said and that you recognize that you first everything was about your visa because you did once you weren't like this in in, in university but once you got to new york i did feel this like energy from you of like you were making and breaking your career and your mind was like making or breaking on the visa and then uh you know years later now you've totally relaxed and that's not how you you operate at all. It, growth. Yeah, growth. Yes. Um, but like, you have to be careful of that. And I'm not saying you did this per se, but like, if that is your energy of like, it just has to be about the visa, then like people start to feel like they're being used and you did exactly. not, you did not make me feel like that, but I'm saying okay. that's the danger of it when, when people are so focused on that and they're just trying to make a relationship just to get that back, people will pick up on that. Yeah. There was another student of mine who, when she first got to New York, she really wanted an agent. She did the same thing. Like, I have to get an agent or else I'm not going to succeed. And like was hounding the agencies. And like some of the agents said to me, like, this girl just got to New York. She needs to chill for a second. Like, it's going to happen, you know? And so like, she was actually doing more damage by being so hungry where it's like, it just became more about like, I need an agent. Like, what can you do to get me an agent versus like, I want to like, just learn who these people are in New York. And I want to audition for them and get to know them and like them to get to know me and like, let's build a relationship. And so I think like, don't be afraid to be a human going back to like what we yeah. said earlier, like be a human being first and then the rest will fall into line. And the thing is like, I get it, right? Like, I think it comes with age, yeah. honestly. Like, I think it's like when you're so green, it's like, and you come out of a conservatory program where it's yeah. literally like Broadway or nothing. They literally, you know, put you in classes and it's like, this is what you can do, you know? it's understandable and it's like also it's the industry is so like there's such a scarcity mindset that I'm not a fan of like in the industry where like everyone's like you know like oh if someone else gets this role like you know I'm never gonna get the chance yeah it's just like it's a lot of like mindset things that I'm personally not a fan of um yeah but I think like also the pandemic has obviously been a curse but also a blessing in like a more optimistic way where like a lot of things are online now you know there's yeah. so many online communities that you can foster these relationships yeah. like in and like you know that that are like either free or like at a really affordable price and you can like get to meet people you know there's so many like slack not slack channels oh my gosh like facebook groups yeah sorry i was like why did i say slack <laughs> um yeah but you know what i mean like yeah. these like forums and da, 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 like 
Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are creating, you know, this kind of like resource. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you are. <laughs> well, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think just not, not being afraid to reach out, like, like we were saying earlier. Um, so do you feel like, because I agree that like, social media has taken, I mean, it was our, like part of the theater industry, sure, before the pandemic, but I feel like during the pandemic, and I still think we're kind of in the pandemic, but like coming out of it, I feel like social media has become so much more because of TikTok and these other things. And people are really, they're not having the in-person experience anymore. So like from your point of view, do you feel like social media has made theater better, worse, the same? Better in a sense, because I think a lot of important issues were raised throughout the pandemic that wouldn't have been raised at all if people didn't have time. Um, like on their phones and like just really being able to kind of like think and consume this kind of like information. So walking back into rooms, I feel so much more, uh, so much less robotic, Mm -hmm. you know, like walking into a room and like literally having a director uh, tell me like, you know, like take your time, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, take my time you mean like I'm not gonna rush in and out like how I did before like I can have my time and space (laughs) you know just like reclaiming your power um and you know just what it means to be an artist you know what I mean like just like knowing your worth I guess um and it's like meeting everyone at this level so we're all on the same page here you know we're a team of collaborators I'm an actor you may be a director but like I'm auditioning like with you, not for you, Right. you know? Yep. Yeah. So it's like, let's see if, you know, we can make some magic happen and it, yes. like, let's work together. I had this amazing audition and I don't know if it's because like, because I'm doing something else now that supplements like my, you know, need of like, just like financial stability and like, just like fulfillment. I don't know if it's like, you know, not my eggs aren't in one basket anymore. But I literally went to a play audition for an off-Broadway show. And like, I would never audition for plays. Like, what? But I did because I was like, oh, whatever. You know, I'm a good actor. I can I can do this. My nice challenge, you know, whatever. I freaking nailed it. Like, I nailed it so hard. Like, the casting director, like, followed me afterwards. Put your handles in your actor's access resume. That's what I do. Um, It's like a really helpful way. So it's like, they see your website and then your handles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like tying yeah. into like your presence yeah. and stuff. Um, honestly, I have no, I totally forgot what I, my, the point of my story was, but I just like, <laughs> <laughs> I just like. Oh, wow, social media made the theater industry better and like a, the meeting people where they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, like now is there kind of a mutual understanding of like, yeah. Hey, I recognize that the space that we might have created before the pandemic wasn't yeah. mutually beneficial. Yes. It maybe was a little pressurizing. And like, you know, I see you now, like there's more diversity. Like I've never been so shook as to walk into a room and see more than one Asian. That's not me. Truly. Right. Like that those things matter, you know, as like a yeah. person of color. Those things yeah. matter because you feel validated, you yeah. feel seen, you feel heard, you feel understood. Um and representation, like, I feel like it's so, like, everyone says that representation matters, but, like, it really does. Like, it, I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills yes. right now talking yeah. about it because it's, like, you don't feel like you're reaching for something anymore, you know? You're just yes. being, yeah. yeah. So no, that was it, the point, yeah. It, especially for young people, it really matters, I think, when you're growing up to see that you have this opportunity and um, that you can do this, you know? And that's like what we're talking about, even with like being an international person, seeing that you can come here and work on a visa. Like just, you need to be able to see that these things are possible and know that they're possible. That will help you have that courage. Um, I agree with you with the, with um, like the social issues. Well, well, talking about first, like your, what you said about being an artist of like, you're auditioning with the director. And I think like, that's something I've like, again, beating my drum about, like, this is a circle. It's not a ladder. Like people think of like, the actor auditions for the choreographer, then the, the choreographer's auditioning for the producer and the producer's auditioning for the writer. Like, it's like all, all this like ladder. And it's like, no, but like the writer can't do anything without the actors. The director can't do anything without the producer. Like we all need each other. And like these interviews are like a two-way audition. It's never, uh, or a two-way pitch meeting or however you're getting, booking the job. It's not just you looking up to this next level. It's like, you have to feel them out and make sure you feel comfortable working for them. So I do think like that's becoming more and more the case, which is awesome. But on the social side of it as well, 
I think like, I mean, even just like you, you yourself, I think it was a video or a blog post you did about people are always asking me why I speak English so well. Yeah. I'll talk. Oh, thanks for, yeah. thanks for reading. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, that was like way early on in the pandemic, but it's like those kinds of things were like, sure, you could learn that in a textbook. You could hear that on the news, but when you hear friends talking about it or whatever, uh, I mean, like I've been to Hong Kong, so it didn't surprise me at all that you speak English so well, but <laughs> like I, but I know people ask that question. So it's like, I loved hearing how you responded to that and talked about that. And I'm like, people need to see these kinds of things. Like they need to hear that like, producers are telling, you know, black actors to go sing at churches in Harlem because that's going to get more black audience. But I mean, like those things, if that's happening, people need to know that that's happening. Right. And we all need to be aware of, like of these shenanigans that are going on that maybe if, you know, as a white person, I was never part of that conversation because I'm not a black person being asked to go sing at this church in Harlem. So I don't even know that that's happening. Now that I know that it's like, okay, so I can keep my ear to the ground of like these kinds of things are going on and like, what can I do to like get involved or whatever? So I agree with you hundred percent that like that, like the level of education and the level of like clarity and like bringing things to the surface has been great for our industry. And sadly, I don't think it's made as much of an impact as I want it to make. I mean, things are changing. Like we, we have to acknowledge, yes, things are, are moving, but it's also like, it's 2022. Why are we still talking about these things? And why can't we just all get along? Like what, what's going on, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other day, I think someone got canceled because they were not um, a Latina actor and she was in the Heights as Vanessa or something. Yes. So those things, so those things, you know, like social media has really kind of like, it's a catalyst, right? And it's like, wake up, like, let's, let's not be so greedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's, you know, let's know what we can do and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And I think mm -hmm. like social media has been really good for that. Yeah. yeah. We just need more stories of more different kinds of people. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Like it's instead of having to like, make sure we're casting certain ratios, which like then people feel like they're only getting cast because of their race or yeah. their gender yeah. or their sexuality. Their like mm -hmm. that's also not good. Right. So right. we just need more stories of every kind of person. And then we don't need to worry about it because everyone can be working uh, and like prolifically working in the industry in things that are quote unquote right for them or whatever. And then we don't need to have these, you know, these issues anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I'm, I'm hoping that like these play festivals and things like really are going to explode a whole bunch of new kinds of work and stories for us. So yeah that'd be great all right well thank you so much like this was really awesome getting to talk to you and hear this i mean some of these things i didn't even know myself that you were sharing today so that's really cool and i know people watching and listening are going to get a lot out of this um how would people find more about you i mean obviously social media but what if they want to connect with you and learn more about you where would they go wait i'm not as important as this next point i want to make okay. but i want to <laughs> make it before i i forget okay so visas let's go back to visas yes. because like it's something i actually kind of want to talk more about i haven't gotten the chance to but it's expensive yeah. okay like it's Very expensive uh i want to tell everyone that like be prepared to spend around five thousand dollars in lawyer fees and then like up to like two thousand extra for uh application mm -hmm. immigration fees uh if you expedite it if you don't it's cheaper but um there is there is also a resource where like they pick they pick a couple of international artists and like completely sponsor the visa and it's through the lawyers Dyer and Harris and that's D Y E R H A R R I S and I think okay don't quote me on this like I think it's called like international theater makers or something along the lines but basically that is the firm that you know you can apply for it and then if you get chosen your visa can be for free. And that's something I wish oh, I wow. knew. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So I just wanted to put that out there before okay. I forget, because I remember reading that and I was like, well, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> you know? Um, and I think like, because no one talks about it, like it's hard, you know, to know these things, you know, and it's like, there's limited resources on the internet about it. And it's, if you Google it, you're going to go into the, down a rabbit hole of people just saying like, it's a mess and it's really hard to get it. And it feels discouraging. So I want to let you know that there are ways around yes. the financial stuff too. And there are a lot of like grants for artists now too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I say this all the time too. Like you just Google like funds, grants, sponsorships, scholarships. Like there's so much out there that people just don't even, I mean, during the pandemic, I reclaimed like all, all the money I was lost from all the jobs that got canceled. I was able to get that back through grants and like not even having uh, to produce any work for it. Like just 
you know, there were people sponsoring like, oh, if you lost your job, show us what job you lost, what your salary is going to be, and we'll match that. I mean, it's like the money is out there. You just have to do a little research. And again, it's like this idea of like not being afraid to just ask and to create these opportunities. Like everything that you want to do is out there and there's a way to do it. So I think yeah. that's like been the theme of this conversation. <laughs> totally. And also Rattlesticks. Oh my gosh. Rattlesticks uh, Theater Company. They're in, they're in New yep. York. They work with a lot of international artists. Like I've done so many like panels for them, like speaking. Um, they also do a bunch of like Zoom, like theater and it's a community of international artists. So like Rattlesticks is a really good resource, especially like awesome. if you're not in America, maybe you want to, you know, like kind of like talk to someone or even like perform with them. Like that's like portfolio right there. Like if you're right. thinking that sense, you know, so um, and but the thing is, like, the most important thing is, like, it's a community that cultivates and, like, helps immigrant artists. So, right. yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. If you want to find me on social media, my name is Vivica Chow. I always tell people there's only one in the world. Um, <laughs> I, my, my Instagram handle, it's hello, it's Vivica. It's hello, it's V-I-V-E-C-A. And my TikTok is Vivica Chow, uh, my full name. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all the information and for the cool. tips and everything. It's awesome. And just like being inspirational yourself. I know it's going to help people who are listening. So thank you so much. Right back at you, Jim. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Bye. Bye. See, I told you Vivico was going to give you so much awesome info. Before we wrap up here, don't forget you can get my three-part branding formula guide and worksheet on my website at jimcooney.me forward slash branding or by following the link in the show notes. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, leave the show a five-star review, especially if you think this podcast will be helpful for someone else. If you've got any questions, give me a shout on Instagram at jimcooneynyc. Remember, there is no one on the planet who's just like you. Be true to the gifts you have and who you are. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Now, here's a little preview of next week's episode. I'll see you then. Are you absolutely clear on who you are as an artist? Do you know what you precisely offer and how you uniquely do it? Are you absolutely certain on the specific value you add to your dream projects? If not, how do you expect the people hiring you to know those things? This is why you need crystal clear clarity on who you are and what you offer.